Blog Talk Radio. Hello and good Monday afternoon, everyone. This is Nick Augustine, and I'm your host on this episode of Law Talk Radio, produced by Lone Star Content Marketing. This program is brought to you in part by Members' Choice Federal Credit Union in Denton, Texas, on Unicorn Lake Boulevard. You may be eligible to join Members' Choice if you live, work, worship, or attend school in Denton or Argyle, Texas. I join Members' Choice because they're locally owned and operated and offer a level of personal service I otherwise cannot find. I always try to give uh, some examples of that. And uh, this last weekend, uh, or this last week rather, Friday, I rolled through the drive-thru to make a deposit. And uh, my teller gave me uh, you know, some popcorn, so they were getting ready for uh, Halloween festivities and all that, and I had popcorn for all the customers inside the credit union, but gave me some as well through the drive-thru. So always a fan of getting a free bag of popcorn on a Friday. All right. <laughs> I'd like to, uh, as we go forward here today, I want to remind all of our uh, fans and listeners out there to go ahead and share the on-demand links to all of our episodes and your social media pages because that's how people find out about our wonderful content um, brought by us and our guests uh, on a weekly basis. Um, all of those other podcast channels and programs we produce are also located on our website, located at LoneStarContentMarketing.com. You can also find our shows on our Law Talk Radio Facebook page. Today's show is episode 31 in the Building Your Law Practice series with Jim Thompson and Nick Augustine. Today we ask... How are you tracking the activity in response to your marketing efforts? Well, creating new systems to track the source of people calling you can also lead to capturing those emails of people who are interested in staying in touch, the monthly newsletter, social media, and much more. So that's how we build our base of people, tracking who we talk to. Uh, Jim's going to talk about this and some other concepts today because really the more you know about the people who are finding information about you, the better you can direct that content that appeals to that audience. So why are we doing all of this, all this extra mundane busy work, as some might say on a Monday? Well, it's all about referrals because that's the lifeblood of a small business, especially with law firms. So that's why we're talking about what lawyers need to do to get those referrals to grow their practice. And it's the subject of Jim Thompson's book, uh, titled Why Attorneys Fail to Get the Referrals They Deserve and Need to Grow Their Practice and, more importantly, what they can do about it. Jim will share with us many of the reasons that lawyers don't get these referrals and some things they can do right now to grow those referral bases. So Again, Jim Thompson is a retired lawyer. He's well known for helping attorneys get on track to earning more clients through simple cost-effective activities. Uh, Jim is the author of, again, Why Lawyers Fail to Get Referrals and What They Can Do About It. Uh, myself, I'm Nick Augustine here, and uh, my company, Lone Star Content Marketing, helps lawyers and small businesses tell their stories about what they do and the tips and things that they have to share with the world. Uh, we do that by writing their blog content, managing their social media, and producing internet radio podcasts, Google Hangout interviews, newsletters, press releases, and all sorts of good stuff. Um, by way of short disclaimer, and then I'll turn it over to Jim, this is a general information program, and any advice shared on this show does not constitute legal advice. Communication with attorney, attorneys among attorney guests and callers on our show cannot give rise to an attorney-client relationship. And if you have any questions, you should consult with an attorney directly in your area. All rights is broadcast are reserved. So 
let's say hi to Jim and uh, see how he's doing on a Monday after a football Sunday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, you guys won and we lost up here, so it's not a very right. good, sorry about good day. I thought here. about that yeah. as I was saying that. I wasn't sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyway, uh, you know, I got a little confession to make before we get going, and, and it, it caught me unaware, and I am sure that it caught a lot of other people aware, but unaware, but I just wonder how many people realize what last Wednesday was. And last Wednesday was simply... October 1st. What is the significance of October 1st? I wrote a blog on it uh, Saturday because it all of a sudden it hit me. Um, October 1st is the beginning of the fourth quarter. And what I wrote about is how did you do the previous three quarters and what are you going to do differently in this coming quarter? Having said that, I had to, you know, kind of make a confession that it kind of slipped up on me, and and quite frankly, I'm sure that it slipped up on a lot of other, a lot of other people that uh, we are we are in the home stretch of the year. And boy, I tell you, I can remember. And of course, when you say it's our 30th program, I mean it's like, wow, where has the year gone? But if you haven't taken steps to to grow your practice, to do some of the things that that you should be doing, and we're going to talk about this to kind of segue, I guess, into tracking, but you know, take a look at what you've done, where you are, what worked, and what didn't work. Having just said that, now I can segue right into the tracking mode. Um, but basically, when I talk to a lot of attorney, you know, clients and potential clients, and I start the conversation with just what I just said, how are you doing? Uh, I would say that a good 80% of, of the attorneys that I speak with have no clue as to how they're doing. Oh, they'll say they're doing fine or they're, you know, they're hurting or they're they're doing well or they don't have enough, of the, you know. But, you know, when you get right down to it, they really don't know. And, and the reason they don't know is because they haven't tracked a number of different areas. And we're going to talk about some of the things that they, that attorneys really need to start tracking. And it's not a super... Um, time-consuming task. It can be done very simply. So why do you hey, want to track? Yes, sir. I call it potential, by the way. Their potential when we're talking about how much, you know, uh, if we spent 40 hours a week really working, you know, some of the time billable, some of the time marketing, sure. but really turn it up as if we were an employee. Because that's how I, I hear a lot of people say, oh, you know, I could go in-house and work for someone else. But then I'm going to be accountable for how many billable hours, and I'm going to be there long hours. And I'll say, well, you know what? What if you put all those hours in for your working for yourself? What may be the results? So I think that where I, I was thinking about that as well with, uh, you know, tracking where our potential uh, and, you know, how far could we go if we really pushed ourselves? Um, you know, how many hours could we bill realistically? You know, what is our max? So so we, we look at how we've done compared to ourselves in prior quarters or prior years, and we may not be putting in the max that we can to get that max output. Just a thought. You know, and, and, yeah, and, and you brought up something really crucial uh, for attorneys who have left the practice because they don't like the way their their boss was or the law firm was going, and so they, uh, you know, obviously went on on their own, and because they thought that they could do it better, and are they really doing it better? And one of the things that 
I, I see what happens is they get out on their own and they don't have anybody looking over their shoulder. When you're working for a law firm, working for a partner, working for somebody else, you know, they're on your, your case all the time. Well, how come you didn't do this? How come you didn't do that? Well, you know, Nick, it's kind of a nice day here today, and I know i got a bunch of stuff I want to get done, but you know what? It's it's middle of the first week of October. We're not going to have any more nice days. I think I'll go play golf today. I know I should That's be doing That's a good idea, Jim. I think I know I should I'm be doing yeah, this, this, this is the whole, the whole mindset. You know, if you're working for a law firm, heck, you know, you're not going to be able to do that. But you get out on your own and you get this mindset, well, I can do what I want to do. And, and and sometimes it works well. But most of the time, from what I've seen, um, people who are Pay the bills or I cannot pay the bills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of like well, that. Well, my, myself included. It, you know, I don't have to be accountable to anybody. And, hey, so I'm going to go do what I want to do. But... Um, I guess we got a little bit away from the tracking, but you know, when 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 you talk to attorneys and you say, okay, um, especially, and it's still, I guess from when I see, you know, some of these uh, yellow page ads that some of these attorneys are taking out, and they're they're spending anywhere from a thousand to three thousand, four thousand dollars a month on you know big yellow page ads, and I go, you know, well, how's that doing for you? You get that blank stare. Well, what's your return on investment when you put out a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars or three thousand dollars a month? Are, are you getting, you know, a new client that's going to pay you two or three or four thousand dollars off of that ad? And it's kind of like, well, hmm, I don't know. Right. I'm going to jump in right here. I'm going to jump right in here with return on investment because the first thing anyone who's taken a phone call from someone who works in, I mean, there are all sorts of forms of online marketing. Um, but some of the companies that will make the phone ring and guarantee a certain amount of impressions, that is usually tied to return on investment or ROI. So when lawyers and most people in business hear, what is your ROI? Would they, everyone is looking for numbers. Give me some flashy spread of numbers on a, a glossy, you know, 8 by 12 And that's fine, and that's good. Um, but that's not the only way to show, uh, really, and demonstrate a return on investment. And I'll say this, too. With if the phone calls, you know, and the phone ringing, you know, if you have a you know personal injury practice, for example, something that's general public, and um, they, you know, you get a lot of phone calls from that, that's wonderful. But how, you know, what are the quality of the calls that you're getting? Um, I know a lot of people who have put thousands of dollars a month into internet marketing campaigns with some of the larger vendors, you know, that they basically create you a um, you know, a separate, similar, you know, equivalent site to your main website, and they track how many people are clicking on that and the phone rings and all this. But I've heard directly from people that said, you know, I paid all this money, and, yeah, the phone rang, but it was, you know, out of the demographic. It was different stuff, not the right practice area, um, you know, and, and different things there. So I just want people to keep in mind that when Jim is mentioning return on investment, um, that is not only the value of how many times someone clicks on something or picks up the phone. There's more to it. Well, you know, and I'm going to say this, and we'll kind of get off a little bit. Return on investment and how many people call in, okay? Now, here's here's something. Have you ever sat there and listened to how the person, the secretary or whoever it is, the receptionist, um, handles that call when somebody calls in? 
you know, you spend $1,000 on a Yellow Page ad and somebody calls in and the secretary has not been trained, or receptionist has not been trained on how to handle that particular call. Uh, it, it, it amazes me. I've, I've talked to attorneys and, and, and they'll go, well, yeah, well, let me, I don't know why. We're, you know, we seem to get a bunch of phone calls, but none of them turn into any business. And I go, well, first thing is check and see how the phone is answered. And I'll get people, attorneys to call me back and go, oh, my God, why didn't I learn this sooner? Why didn't I think about calling or having a couple of my friends call the office and just see how the, the, the phone is answered? Now, having said that, whose fault is it the way it's answered? Don't just be blaming the secretary or the receptionist. It could be that you haven't taken the time to train them. Now, here's another little bit. What's lunchtime right now, right? So... I've spent a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars to to get people calling my my law office, and uh, two things happen at lunch hour. Uh, number one, it goes to voicemail, which is really, you know, hey, great, uh, that person's going to call the next law firm and the next law firm until somebody lies on. Or the other thing that's maybe even worse is, you know, the secretary or receptionist is going to lunch, so all of a sudden. The next person says, hey, Susie, you sit in and answer these phone calls. Susie doesn't know what the hell she's doing, okay? Mm. She knows how to answer well, the phone. worse than not she, answering. Exactly. She, 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 she knows how to pick up the phone and go, law office, or whatever the you know outgoing message is, but she has not been trained. So, you know, if you're going to, to, to spend the money to get people to call your office, make sure that there's somebody there that knows what they're talking about, that's intelligent it, enough to talk about, to get right, that person right. into the office. Another thing, what is, another uh-huh. thing too, um, extend hap, not everybody <laughs> works within, and this is something that I think lawyers sometimes make can forget. Um, let's not forget that everybody doesn't work in a, a place where they can, you know, step outside and, you know, make a phone call or spend an hour doing this. Or, you know, a lot of people have before work, you know, during a lunch hour and short time after work before they get home. So, um, you know, I think it's a really good idea to offer some hours in the morning, not to mention uh, we got people from the East Coast to the West Coast. Um, you know, there should be some availability by phone, you know, ideally an hour before the general business workday and a couple hours afterwards because a lot of times you're going to miss a lot of those calls at the end of the day that people are, you know, that's when they have. Um, you know, it may not be that just that they can't get out of their current job or position, but let's say yeah, you have some high, you know, high stress job, you know, or you, you know, you can't necessarily stop what you're doing and really focus on, you know, calling and consulting with a lawyer and all this. So some additional hours too, um, you know, and this is also something a lot of my clients tell me is they offer extended service, you know, extended hours on the weekends as well. But clients know that if they're calling their lawyer on a weekend, they're going to pay pay a premium. Well, you know, and, and, and I'll just say this. If, if clients will understand if, if I'm calling in at 6 o'clock in the morning because I just got served by the sheriff or something and I've gone on your website and, and I get a voicemail, I can understand that, be honest with you. But what I don't get sometimes is the attorney's outgoing voicemail to say our office is now closed, but we would love to talk to you. Please leave your phone number so that I can call you at eight o'clock in the morning or let me know when the best time is to call you back. You know, it's just law office, leave a message, bingo. 
oh, okay, fine. I'm going to the next guy. Maybe I'll get the next guy that'll say, hey, give me a call in the morning. I'd love to talk to you. I, you know, bingo. Just little things like that that do not cost anything. You know, it's it's the thing that you put on the end of your, your email. I, I preach this all the time, your voicemail, I mean, all the time. You know, want referrals? Let people know you want referrals. Simple. By the way, if you were referred, please let me know who referred you so that I can thank them. And here's another uh, thing, too. Not, here's another thing. You can look big, like a big law firm or a small law firm. I mean, you don't have to lie to the people. Obviously, you want your all your marketing and everything to be absolutely truthful. But having said that, um, if you know, if it's uh, if you're the lawyer or sole practitioner, you're the one on the on the voice machine, you know, and that's uh, thanks for calling. We're not in right now. You know, people could tell. Oh well, it must just be a little law firm, and there's no one there to answer. You know, mm-hmm. versus there's someone always there. And even if you use an outside answering service, at least there's someone to take a message and a human being who can relay and you know deal with that information. Even if it's texting the lawyer at home, you know, at three o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, you know, I got a call from so and so, blah blah blah. Text back, tell them, you know, call set it up for Monday. I mean, there are services that will do that even, and they're not that expensive. Um, anyone who's gone to the ABA Tech Show has uh, seen a lot of these vendors who do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, and people might be, you know, also I've seen people who office share um, when they have like a Regus or office like that where there's a professional, sure. uh, you know, receptionist and all that. Uh, you can't tell, you know, how big the firm is or how successful this person is. But little uh, things like that, people notice <clears throat> when they make uh, little judgments, and they do. Well, especially during the day. if. If you know you're a, a solo practitioner and you don't have a regular secretary or whatever, you know, uh, for instance, there's a, a group here called Amada, and they've got I think four office sharing buildings, and they have a receptionist, and, and there's pretty pretty well populated by by lawyers who are solos and that. So, yeah, if you're a solo and you don't have a regular secretary, or even if you do and you don't want to tie the secretary up, let the phone call go to, you know, one of these virtual offices. Here in, in Chicago, Amada charges, I think, uh, for answering service, uh, use of a conference room, I think, for a couple hours, and getting your mail there, it's $100 a month. That is incredibly dirt cheap. And, 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 you know, how many calls, if you, if you want people calling you, are you going to miss because they go to an answering machine in the middle of the day? That's bad. Totally. But early in the morning, before regular normal office hours or after, say, 6, 7 o'clock, answering machines are fine. But during the day, you get an answering machine. What does that tell somebody? Hey, if I got a problem and I'm going to call him after I hire him, is I'm gonna, am I going to get his answering machine? And then I never get called back. Okay, let's go on a couple other things because I want to make sure you get a couple things in. Um, this, uh, I talk about being in a niche area. Uh, you know, you you have to determine where you want to to grow your practice, and what is it you want to do? What do you want to specialize in? And um, I read something uh, just this morning. I read it. It was kind of interesting uh, from John Jansen. He was talking about, you know what? Track your clients because you may want to get rid of some clients. And think about that. We all have clients we love great. We all have clients we put up with for a number of reasons. And then we all have clients we put up with who we really like to get rid of. So if you start tracking the type of clients you want, the type of clients you have, and who's uh, 
profitable, which client's profitable, which is not profitable, then you're going to be able to say, okay, John, Spruce, uh, John Smith called, and he fits that parameter of the type of client we want to do business with. Fine. Sue Jones calls, and you know what? After talking to Sue from what we found out with some of our other clients, we, we want to refer her out to somebody else, that type of thing. Know who is making you money and who is not making you money, who is draining all your time and who is not draining your time. Now, sometimes it's impossible to know that, obviously. We all you know, get sucked in with, we, we all have that, um, you know, client comes in with a great story and all this other stuff. And then you find out that uh, after they receive your first bill, they, they have no money. You should have found that out in the beginning. But still, you know, we go through this whole process, great case, blah, blah, blah. Now we need some money. Go, oh, I didn't think you were going to charge me for this. Huh? I mean, that happens. I mean, that's happened to me. I can tell you stories. Anybody that's practiced for any length of time. Um and start also looking, I started to, to talk about, start looking at the areas that, the niche areas you want to practice in, the specializing, you know, what, what is it that you seem to be getting more and more clients uh, doing? Uh, now, somebody that's come out of a law firm and started their own practice probably has a pretty good idea where they want to go because they've been doing that in the law firm they've been in. But the younger attorneys who hang, are hanging out a shingle, um, they're going to get, they may not know where they want to practice. They may not know what area they want to practice in. So where do they start seeming to get a lot of their clients? Um, are you getting a lot of clients that want you to do divorce work? Are you getting a lot of clients that want you to do personal injury? Take a look at, at the clients you have and get specialized into the areas where you seem to be getting most of your clients. But a lot of attorneys who are just starting out, um, we call it the door law group, and I think you've heard me say this before. You know, we'll take anything that comes in the door, um, and 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 that's true with a lot of these young kids that are are hanging up a shingle because they can't find employment anywhere else, and they're they're just taking whatever comes in, and uh, they probably if I went into some of these these young kids and I said, well, what kind of clients are you getting? Well, I did a divorce yesterday, and I got a personal injury case, and I got this, and I got this, and I got that. That's what's happening. Having said that, please, 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 if you're one of the folks out there that are, are getting clients in areas that you have not uh, specialized in, practiced in, um, become very familiar with, reach out to an older attorney who does this. Uh, I preach this all the time. There are, there are attorneys out there who are glad to mentor you. I'm not talking about a long-term mentoring process, but somebody say that, you know, gee, I, I just got this, you know, personal injury case in, and, you know, yeah, last week I settled this little automobile case that was fine, but this looks like it's going to be a catastrophic thing, and I don't know what I'm doing. Call a couple of people, attorneys that you may know that you've met, and say, I've got this automobile accident case, and I think it's going to be way over my head. Can we sit down and talk about it? And maybe that person says, no, I don't have time. But maybe the person says, yeah, come on over to my office and we'll sit down. And guess what? You associate that attorney. You become uh, associate. You, you bring that attorney in to, to actually handle the case for you. But here's the thing. Make sure you say to that attorney, I want to be in not just the ethical aspect of it, but you say to that attorney, I want to be involved in this case so that I can learn. 
you know. So anything that goes on, if we have to go to a deposition, if we have to do this, if we have to do that, I want to be there so that I can learn how this this happens, not just hand over the case and you know get a referral fee, that type of thing. So the next time the case like that comes in, you're getting a little more more um, proficient in handling that that type of case. Um, now I want to go a little bit into you know the the referral aspect. Uh, obviously, um, that that's kind of the the area that I, I really feel very strongly about. And one of the things I, I've seen uh, happen when I talk to attorneys about referrals, I, I ask them, "Do you know where your referrals come from?" And again, this well, yeah, I got a referral. I got a referral the other day from, um, uh, I can't remember that person's name, but I, I know I got a referral from, oh, and last month I got a referral from Sue over here. Why aren't you tracking where those referrals come from on your intake sheet? Now, somebody calls your office, okay? The secretary or receptionist ought to be trained well enough to say something to the effect of, by the way, um, how did you hear about us? Why did you call us? Something that you know um, resonates and you feel comfortable asking. The secretaries certainly, when they're taking the intake information, can simply say yes. Oh, and, and, and how did you hear about us? Oh, okay, great. And just go on. Then when the person comes in, you can explore that a little bit more. They may have been referred from, uh, uh, they may have come in from the internet or whatever, but they may have been referred from a, a previous client or someone you've come in contact with that's not a client but can be a good referral source for you. When you start tracking where these clients are coming from, then you've got an idea of the type of people you want to associate with. Well, if, and Jim, another thing too, not only, you know, the people who are calling, now I always say, if someone is on your phone as a direct or indirect result of your marketing or someone sending referrals, you should somehow capture that person's information, um, and you know, keep a keep a keep a. I mean, just because you know, if for nothing else, for a client conflict check, if the person never, you know, they're never a conflict situation, but keep the numbers and information, and ask those people, would you like to, you know, firm has an email, uh, you know, send that out, including events and things, you know, try to make it interesting, stories that people can relate to, and all that. Yeah, and. and, and, and Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Just that there's all sorts of you know ancillary benefits to getting to know these people and kind of capturing who they are and staying in touch. Oh yeah, and 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 who's who's referred you? I have I, I when I work with clients, I have a referral sheet that I have them fill out, and it get, you know when somebody comes into the office, you know after that person you know whether they retain you or whatever you keep a record of where that referral, where your referrals are coming from so that you know that at the end of the month you can sit down and go, now this has nothing to do with making sure you thank somebody. You know, that ought to be a given. But at the end of the month, you sit down and you go, gee, Bill gave me five referrals. I never really expected Bill to give me any referrals. I really need to get with him and, and, and find out what I, I said to him that kind of, you know, piqued his interest. And, and Nick over here, man, I've worked on Nick for six months, and I thought he was going to be a great referral source. And in the last two months, I've got nothing from him. So maybe I need to go sit down with Nick. Hey, you know what? You might find out that Nick says to you, well, Jim, here's what happened. I, um, I referred somebody over to you, and you never called him back, and it kind of really ticked me off and made me look bad. And 
Oh, my God, I'm sorry. Okay, now you find out what you did wrong. Okay, then you start hopefully patching that relationship up again. But if you never ask and never track why you got referrals from somebody and why you didn't get referrals from somebody else, you're never going to know. And you're just going to sit there and, as I just said at the beginning of the show, you're going to do the same thing over for this next coming, for this coming quarter that you did the last three quarters. And if that was working for you, that's fine. But if it's not working for you, maybe it's time to, to think about changing a little bit. I know... Um, well, and how much more money could you make if you did that? I mean, that's a, oh. we don't always know the we don't always know the answer. But if we put that like dollar in your dollar amount in your head or whatever you want to, whatever your goal is, set it and actually work it. Um, you know, because we all anyone in business on their own. I mean, everyone I, I think out there in my same shoes will admit that you get it's easy to get complacent and hover around. You know, the amount of work you know is going to be coming in automatically, what you can easily take in, and there's so much more that we can do. And without trying to do it, we're never going to, we're never going to you know, get a result, but you've got to imagine that it's possible, right, Jim? But, well, and it's kind of what I just said a little while ago. It's what kind of work are you getting? Is the work you're getting from certain people profitable or is it not profitable? Are you spending... You know, um, what do you think you should be earning an hour? I'm just going to throw out $200 an hour. Okay. Well, out of that $200, where does all the, you know, where does it go? But are you spending so much time for that $200 an hour that you could be spending that time elsewhere and really be making $200 an hour? Or are you working for minimum wage? I mean, we all have seen that where, you know, I put in 60 hours on a case and I get paid for about three, that type of thing, because, you know, I didn't do my homework to really find out what kind of cases are profitable and what kind of cases are not profitable. And that's a, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a, that's a trial and error thing. I mean, and, and it's, it, especially for new attorneys, it's a trial and error, but if you've just come out and, um, you know, come from a big law firm, you haven't had to keep track of that stuff, but you know, you start looking at it and go, Hmm, you know what? That's good for me. That's not good for me. That's good for me. No, it, 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 it even gets into tracking, going to networking events, or going to whatever you're doing. If you go to a networking event three times a week. How's that working for you? Well, that networking event. Hey, you know, I got two or three people that I can develop. Now, you're not going to get business just by going to a networking event. You got to meet the people and develop that relationship. But if I go to a networking event and I go, you know what? This was a total waste of time. I think I'll skip that one, okay? You know, but if you're not looking at, hmm, I got three really potential referral sources from this networking event. I went to that one. I'm going to go back. I went to it again, and, uh, you know, this is just not going to work out for me. I'm going to skip that one, and I'm going to put something in its place. I mean, why keep doing the same thing over and over and over again if it's not working for you? And how are you going to know it's not working for you unless you track? Simple. I think we're getting pretty close to being uh, being out of time. We're close to um, we're close to time to blow the whistle on this one, but um, you know, a lot of these things are you know, you know, as you talk about Jim following up, if you go to one of these networking events and get several business cards and meet several good people who might be good prospects, you know, if not only to do direct business but to change referrals and support one another and be part of a pipeline and a system, and you know, again, but if you come back and you do do a follow up. You know, it's all for gone, you know, so all for naught or otherwise you'd say. So really, it's there's so many parts of the marketing system and all this. Jim, 
your book that you've written uh, boils a lot of it down, especially for lawyers, ties it all up nicely. Can you give the folks at home another way that they can get in contact with you to get a copy of the ebook? Sure. They can send me an email at jet, J-E-T, jet at lawyersmarketingresource.com, and I'll be glad to send the ebook. The other thing is if somebody wants a, um, a copy of the referral tracking sheets that I, I use with clients, send me an email on that too. I'll be glad to, to share that with folks. Uh, it's not copyrighted or anything like that. I just as soon put it in people's hands and let them start using it. There you go. All right, well, we're about out of time. I want to thank you all for listening to this episode of Law Talk Radio, episode 31 of Building Your Law Practice with Jim Thompson and Nick Augustine. Again, we talked today about tracking the activity, responding to our marketing activities and whatnot, Uh, all sorts of good stuff on these programs. You can find more of them on our Law Talk Radio Facebook page, uh, and uh, we'll be here again probably through at least the end of this year, uh, Mondays at noon central. Jim, I want to thank you for your time as well, and thank you all for listening. Uh, We'll be there back next week. Have a great week, Nick. Yep, you too, Jim.